talk about the Mystics and their playoff run, get on some positive for some DC sports in this area. Uh, as I mentioned, the Mystics are sitting 22 and 14, third in the East. They um, had two games this final week of the WNBA season against the NBA Fever, one of the lesser opponents in the league. They actually uh, broke some records that you normally don't want to break. Well, broke a record that you normally don't want to break in, a, in any sport. They had an 18-game losing streak to finish the season. So, yeah, that's not a good way to finish the season. And going into this game, the Mystics, they had a streak they needed to get off of their back. They had nine straight road losses that they were trying to shake, and they had a home-and-home home against Indiana. The first one was in Indiana, in Indiana, and the second game was at uh, here in D.C. Uh, the first game was a – oh, I'm sorry. Uh, they went 7-10 they went in the last uh, – 7-3, I'm sorry, in the last 10 games. And as I mentioned, they'll be facing Seattle in the first round of the playoffs starting this week. Uh, going back to last week, uh, the first game against Indiana in Indiana where they – Snapped that nine game losing streak. They defeated them 82 to 70. Uh, Elena Deladon, like she's uh, in playoff form, she led the team with 24 points, seven rebounds, three assists, one steal, and one block. And Emma Cannon for uh, Indiana led them with 16 points, eight rebounds, three steals, and a block. Uh, Washington uh, shot 46% from the field. They out rebounded uh, Indiana 39 to 26. They had uh, good ball movement. Uh, they were definitely passing. They are one of the uh, best team, better teams in assists per game. They had 26 assists on 31 shots made, uh, 34 points in the paint, 19 points was their biggest lead at halftime. And, uh, yeah, they just pretty much pulled it on. They uh, showed why Indiana, you know, is where they are and showed why they're going to the playoffs. And the last game of the season – Back here in D.C. was a 95-83 to 83 victory for the Mystics. And as I said, that was the 18th straight loss for the Fever, uh, breaking a record. Uh, the record that you definitely don't want to break. But for the second game in a row, uh, Elena Deladon led the team. Uh, 27 points, three, three rebounds, uh, three assists, and a steal. Uh, Tiffany, oh, I'm sorry, yeah, Tiffany Mitchell. Led Indiana with 18 points, no rebounds, seven assists, and one steal. Uh, Mystic shot 48% from the field. They well, they were out rebounded by 125 to 24. They had 21 assists on 29 shots made, 28 points in the paint, 27 uh, points for, off of uh, turnovers, and once again they had a 19 point lead in this game. 14-point lead at half, and they put up 57 points in the first half. So they uh, pretty much dominated this game from the start to finish, as they did the game before. And, you know, getting ready to be in the, get in the playoffs, and this is a, you know, good momentum to go in and beat a team they, you know, should have beat and then played out for the competition because they're going up against a tough Seattle team who they, who they faced three times this year. And unfortunately, they lost two out of three to Seattle. And in this upcoming series, they'll be playing in three games. The first two will be in Seattle, and the last one is here in D.C., if necessary. So, um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting series against Seattle. Uh, Elena Deladon, like she's healthy and she's ready to go and get, help get this push. 
Natasha Cloud, she's been killing it and uh, playing good ball on both sides. And uh, as I mentioned, they uh, played Seattle three times this season. First time was back in June on the 23rd. That was a 85 to 71 loss. Then they played them again on the 30th of July. That was an 82 to 77 loss. And there was a back-to-back where the next day they played on the 31st of July. And the Mystics won that one 78 to 75. So hopefully, uh, you know, Mystics can switch that around and win two out of three against them in the season that really counts the postseason because they got the best of them in the regular season when the two out of three. Um, as I mentioned, they are facing Seattle in a three-game series starting this week. The first game is Thursday at Seattle. That's a 10 p.m. start. Then the next game is Sunday at Seattle, which is a 4 p.m. start. And the third game is next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. wonder why there's so many days in between, especially with the first two games being in Seattle. Three days in between, they'll be done with the travel and everything. So maybe they're trying to do it for ratings. Keep them all excited and motivated on Saturday. But WNBA, a lot of folks don't cover it, but you know we do here on Sports on the Hill Podcast. It's the slow time of the year, so we try to make sure we bring you all the sports that's going on, especially, like I said, the Mystics are the best thing around right now because uh, you know, the Nationals are where they are. They currently still have a 4-3 lead, top of the seventh, uh, one man on, two out. Look like Finnegan's uh, on the mound. It's a 1-0 count. Trying to keep the lead. They just got the lead in the uh, bottom of the six and trying to hold on to it and trying to secure a win for Josiah Gray. I'm interested to see how this team responds to try to hold the lead as I just broke down the Nats and uh, how many leads they gave up last week. They want to turn it around and we see the five above 500 week. They got to start holding on to some of these leads that they're getting late in these ball games. And um, didn't mean to get sidetracked on baseball again, but. Yeah, we're bringing you a Mystics coverage, and we'll continue to bring you the coverage as long as they're in the playoff on this playoff push, looking to get into. Okay, appreciate that, Eric, for checking in. Let me know the audio is good. Appreciate that. I forgot to, yeah, I muted the wrong mic. That was my bad. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely uh, going to follow the Mystics and see how far they can take it. Like I said, we love to have another championship come into the city. All right, and I'm going to go ahead and get to what everybody wants to get to. The Washington Commanders and their inaugural preseason game to Carolina. Lost to Carolina, 23-21. to There was some good, there was some bad, and some things that need to be improved on, definitely. And, you know, there was some things that they could hang their hat on. Um... I was there at the game. I saw, I got there about halfway through the first half. I got there, I mean, first quarter. I got there right as Antonio Gibson uh, fumbled the ball and gave Carolina the ball on the Washington 19, which led to their first touchdown of the game. Um, I guess I'll start with that. Antonio Gibson. um, A lot of folks are, you know, already have a bad taste in their mouth after last year, having six fumbles on over 258 carries. 
of the season, his rookie season, where he put up 11 touchdowns. He only fumbled twice. Last year, you know, he put the ball on the ground, I think it was eight times and lost six of them. And it's not a good look when your second touch of the next season, when you say that you're ready to take that next step as an NFL running back. And, you know, you say you're ready to make that move, and then your second carry of the game, you fumble the ball. And what's not helping him is the rookie, third-round pick, Brian Robinson, who, you know, like I said, Antonio Gibson, he's trans transitioning from a wide receiver to a running back in the NFL, which is one of the toughest, the toughest league in the world. And, you know, I feel like he's doing, you know, okay. Like I said, fumbling the ball is never good. He had a thousand yard season last year, seven touchdowns. So he's had an impressive start to his career as a running back. Unfortunately, the fumbles are something he has to, excuse me, take care of, secure the ball. Uh, a lot of you folks that might turn in might not remember a guy named Tiki Barber. Uh, he had a season where he had, I believe, 10 fumbles, and he dedicated himself to holding the ball high and tight. And once he did that, the man didn't fumble anymore. And the good thing about Gibson is he's recognizing it, and he knows he needs to fix it. And, you know, he broke it all down in his post game of what happened on the play. He was going down, and he wasn't. he didn't continue to hold it high and tight, and somebody punched it out. And what I forgot which lineman said that he hadn't put the ball on the ground on a training camp. And unfortunately, his first time was in it in a live game for everyone to see. So, yeah. But Brian Robinson, who, you know, is a pure running back, and it looks like the match just gave up. Uh, like it's tied up 4 4. RBI single by Suzuki. Suzuki's been killing this team the last few weeks. So it's tied up. Unfortunately, Josiah Gray is no longer in line for the win, but he didn't. He's not taking a loss. So got to hang your hat on something. But uh, getting back to the running back situation, uh, yeah, Brian Robinson runs hard, runs strong. He uh, said he's catching the ball out the backfield better than they expected, and uh, he showed his he showed his skills off last week. When he got the opportunity, when Gibson put the uh, ball on the ground, he uh, ran hard. He caught the ball in space, made people miss. Had the shoulders, you know, shoulder pads flushed, and was driving forward. So that's what we want from our running back. That's what we need from our running back. And if uh, Antonio Gibson, you know, secures the ball, remember, Coach Rivera had a duo back in Carolina, D'Angelo Williams and uh, uh, what we'll talk about another day. Damn it. I can remember D'Angelo Williams' name last time. I can remember the other guy. Now I can't remember the other guy's name. But Coach Rivera is used to having two dominant running backs, one power back and one slasher back, which is basically what they are. So that's something to build on the offensive line. I felt was a positive, even with all the injuries that they have, and they haven't had a consistent lineup in training camp. No uh, sacks given up by the starting lineup. Like I said, Robinson had a good uh, clip running the ball when he was in with the first string uh, offensive line. All the offensive line, and they had two sacks against Sam Howe late in the game. Uh, he was trying to evade the pocket and buy time. One of them was a straight sack, one of them was a uh, about to break the pocket, got clipped up before he could break the pocket. Uh, but the offensive line, which I said talked about last year, rated number six according to PFF for the National Football League. Looked like they're in a good position to. Uh, 
take the next step after the way they played last year with all the injuries they had, if we can stay healthy now that we finally got rid of uh, Brandon Sheriff, who a lot of folks are still upset about. But to me, you know, you got to be on the field. He hasn't played a full season since 2018. And you got uh, Andrew Millwall, who's another quality all-pro guard to replace him. And he plays. He's been on the field. He played for 16 games. Well, now it's going to be 17 games. But um, you need that durability and quality. Brandon, when Sheriff was on the field, they won. I forgot my boy. He pointed that out that, you know, even though Sheriff didn't play, he didn't start every game. But when he played, they ran the ball well. And the majority of the time they won when he was on the field. But when you're not on the field for five to six games a season, what good does that do for you? Um, tight ends. Uh, they definitely uh, tried to get the ball to the tight ends. Wentz loves his tight end. Unfortunately, you know, Thomas is out. Reyes was out. Uh, Cole Turner was out. The rookie that we've all been hearing about, the 6'6", 250 red zone threat that uh, Wentz and himself has been having a good communication and chemistry in uh, training camp. I can't wait to see them get it together, get on the field together and see what they can do. Um, wide receivers, uh, I'm definitely liking, you know, from when I watched the game, I'm definitely liking the core. Definitely more speed than we had last year, more explosiveness. Get them in space. It's going to be a problem. They can make some people miss. Uh, that goes with the running back, catch on the backfield also, along with the wide receivers. Um, what's on the offensive side? Let me go ahead and break down uh, some of these stats before I talk about my defense. You know, I got to go deep in detail with the defense. Uh, for the quarterbacks, yeah, I didn't break down everybody. I did the quarterbacks and the running backs. Uh, Wentz went 10 for 13, 74 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, no sacks. Uh, one scoring drive, 14 plays, 72-yard drive with a touchdown with Brian Robinson scoring. Unfortunately, missed the extra point. Joey, don't make that a habit. You know, first kick of the season. I get it. Don't miss nothing next week. Uh, Heineke. Uh, I'll give my quick synopsis on Wentz. Uh, he looked like he had, you know, control of the team, control of the huddle, control of the playbook, um, made some good throws, missed a couple high. But for his first performance with a new playbook, new team, first time out, I feel like he uh, did a decent job, above average. Uh, Taylor Heineke went four for nine, 21 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. Uh, he had two balls batted at the line. One of them turned into an interception in uh, Commander's territory, and that was right after he made a very impressive uh, run to elude a sack in the backfield, and I think it was like a 20- or 30-yard gain. And then the next play, the ball got batted, and Carolina guy came up with it. So, I mean, Heineke, I love him. He has the fight. He has the hustle. He has the want. He has the will. Just doesn't just a little bit, you know, maybe an inch or two taller and a little bit more arm strength. He'd be that dude. But he's a quality backup. Definitely an attribute to be on this team. And uh, you know, the first game, hopefully, you know, get better. But batted balls, you know, they happen. But try to avoid those things because it's only when the ball gets batted, nothing good happens for the offense. Uh, Sam Howell. Nine for 16, 145 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Two rushing touchdowns. Uh, like I said, he had two sacks given up on him. Um, he looked good. You know, he started out a little slow, you know, getting into the game first NFL action. But he saw some of the things we saw out of the film I looked at at him in college. 
uh, looser, strong arm, buy time in the pocket, and, you know, read defenses. Did a decent clip. You know, he still has work to do, but he definitely uh, looked good. Uh, I actually um, just posted a video of the, my opinion, the best play or best throw of the game was him, uh, Sam Howell, to Alex Erickson, who's uh, fighting for six wide receiver spot on this team. It's a 40-yard gain in that fourth quarter. Uh, Howell was in the pocket. Pocket was holding up. He tried to step up. Uh, pocket collapsed a little bit. He uh, spun out of it, scrambled to his left, and threw the ball right to the middle where the wide receiver was sitting right in the zone coverage. Wide receiver spun out of the coverage and, like I said, broke it for a 40 yard gain that helped put them in a position to get that first touchdown of the fourth quarter for Mr. Howe. That he actually rushed in himself on a seven, nice 17 yard scramble for touchdown. So I like this kid. You know, I'm not saying that he should be the starter. He has a great upside. He has plenty of time to learn on the bench. In my opinion, he's a he's Taylor Heineke with a stronger arm. That's just my opinion of, of the guy and the thing with Wentz, like I said, he gonna hook gonna hook them twenty eight million. Next year if they decide to cut him, it won't go against the cap. If Howell gets into the game this year or ready to make that next step, wouldn't have a problem with that. Because yeah, I see the fight, I see the hustle, I see the will, I see the want. And like I said he has the arm strength that Heineke doesn't, so that's a nice combination. We've seen sleepers, you know. Well, you can't even really consider him a sleeper because the year before, he was considered possibly the top pick in the draft. But a lot of folks forgot that all of his wide receivers and running backs got drafted. So that's why he fell off like he did uh, last college season because he had a whole new freshman uh, receiving core that he had to learn. And that's why his numbers fell and he slipped to the fifth round, which could possibly be a benefit for the commanders because, hey, who knows? Somebody losing at your future quarterback maybe three or four years. Who knows? We're talking about the farm system with the Nats and some of the prospects they had that'll be up in three or four years or two or three years that'll help this team rebuild. Who knows? You never know if you get them on the field and put them out there. So, hey. Uh, running backs, Brian Robertson Jr., six carries, 26 yards, 4.3-yard average, had a long of 11 and one touchdown, uh, Antonio Gibson, four carries, two yards, 0.5-yard average, four yards was his long, and he had the fumble that we already spoke about. And Jason, I mean, change with Jason for now. Jason Williams, James, number 38. <laughs> I don't want to get his first name wrong. Williams had five carries, 31 yards, 6.2-yard average, with a 13-yard uh, long. He also came in on a couple of short yardage plays and uh, got the first down. So I, I liked him. He's been on the practice squad and got some a uh, couple of starts at the end of the season, I believe, for the last two years. Uh, you also have Jared Patterson. So the backfield is uh, definitely full and it's definitely quality. So Antonio Gibson better uh, start securing that ball or he might be a trade bait or possibly <laughs> – I hate to say it, but possibly a cut because I, I wouldn't want to see him because he has such an upside and he has such potential to be great. And I hate to see him go somewhere else, fix that fumbling issue. And the next thing you know, you're watching him put a thousand yard seasons, 11 touchdowns, and you know, yada, yada, yada. I hate to see, you know, talent leave here and go elsewhere and excel. But if we could have more patience with him here, they could be doing those great things here instead of elsewhere.
Um, yeah, I already spoke about the wide receivers. Like I said, I'm impressed with uh, the receivers they had. McGowan, uh, you still had a Kelvin Harmon sighting. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Dotson and Wentz ain't hooked up, but he hooked up with uh, Samuel in a couple of plays. He hooked up with McLaurin one time. Um, and I'm definitely liking the wide receiver core. Definitely is going to be uh, interesting to see how this offense comes together. Edge factor, Scott Turner, calling the plays. He actually I didn't really have too many, you know, even though it's no game plan and really there's no strategy behind preseason games. I kind of like some of the things that I saw. I saw some three wide receiver trips with the tight end on the uh, side by itself. No doubt that's going to be when Logan Thomas get back or Cole Turner because both of those guys are big targets. I believe uh, Logan is, what, 6'8", and I believe uh, Turner is 6'6". So, yeah. Yeah, Mark. Yeah, I like Sam too. He played pretty well. He still has some work to do, but he definitely, like I said, he's like a stronger arm Heineke. He's feisty. He can scramble. He has hustle. He has the will. He has the want. And he also also have the arm to go with it. So, like I said, only surprise you see uh, him being in competition for a starting job in maybe two or three years. Um, and let's get to this team stats, the stats that really count. Uh, first downs, Carolina had 20. Washington had 23. Uh, third down conversions. Carolina was for 11 for 18. That's something we definitely want to talk about when I speak about the defense. Uh, Washington was 8 for 14, which is, you know, pretty good for them. Last year they were around 38%. So that's uh, that's above 50%. So that's a good, uh, good sign. Uh, fourth down conversions. Carolina was 0 for 1. Washington was 2 for 2. Pass yards. Carolina had 195. Washington had 229. Rush yards, Carolina had 93. Washington had 121. Washington had three sacks. Carolina had two. Penalties. This is something that uh, Coach was very upset about. Some of the penalties that uh, contributed on that last drive is what uh, helped Carolina uh, take the lead with that field goal to win the game. Uh, had a face mask and had a uh, rougher the passer, which really shouldn't have been. Uh, well, the, the face mask shouldn't have been because he went high. And this guy's helmet came off, so they called it face mask. He had to call something because the helmet came off. But, yeah, unfortunately, it was a face mask. He ducked. The man was going high. The tackle blocked him. was clocking him while he was trying to reach the quarterback. Yeah, the helmet came off, and he was a mobile quarterback at that. So, you know, he was trying to be elusive. The helmet came off. And, unfortunately, it put Carolina in position to hit the game-winning field goal. And, uh, yeah, that, the defense wasn't able to get off the field on third down on that drive also. Uh, they had six penalties for 45 yards. Carolina had four penalties for 30 yards. Um, time of possession, Washington had it for 31 minutes and 12 seconds. Carolina had it for 28 minutes and 48 seconds. So it was a very close game, interesting game, entertaining game. Uh, the defense, uh, first string defense, uh, had three opportunities to get off the field on the first drive on third down. Didn't get it done. Second drive, I can't be mad at him because it was a short field after Gibson fumbled. But uh, I like what I saw from the D-line. Uh, I saw, you know, containment. I saw pressure. I saw them, you know, have some dominating time on uh, the first string right before they went out. Uh, the second and third string, to me, uh, had a higher compete level. Being granted that they are trying to compete for a job. And one thing you have to remember this year, Washington didn't have a scrimmage, so they haven't been any live tackling. So that's why on defense you saw some of the sloppiness when it comes to tackling 
and getting the guys down and fighting for extra yards. Uh, I saw a couple of miscommunications, which one thing they said they have been working on communicating amongst themselves. Um, I saw a couple on one third down. Uh, it was a switch. Uh, and the safety, uh, I think it was Derek Forrest, he didn't switch over to the man. It was wide open. It was like a third and seven. And then he next thing you know, he run up the sideline, 12 yards on the third and seven, pushing the chain, moving the chains, and putting them in position to get a score on their scoring on their first drive. I like to uh, watch this offense stalled out three and out. Um, secondary, like I said, they didn't really give they didn't give up a lot of yards. They gave up 195 yards through the air and only 93 yards on the ground. So this isn't like it's uh you know oh we gotta oh, we're in trouble we gotta rip it all apart and start all over again. It's just some things they need to tweak. As I mentioned, the first live action against a different opponent. So, you know, different compete levels. You've been in training camp going up against your teammates. So you don't have that. You had to compete, but you don't have the same, you know, I don't care about this dude. This is just somebody I'm going up against. When you're in training camp, you know, somebody that you're cool with, you don't have that same compete level. You're going through the drills, muscle memory, learning the plays, knowing what you're supposed to do, yada, yada, yada. So, like I said, next week they have a definitely a tougher opponent, Kansas City, in Kansas City. Um, and hopefully we'll see this defense come out a little more assertive and uh, more, more more dominant. And excuse me, when they get off, when they get a chance to get off the field on third down, they will, because we know that's a cardinal mark. You just coming in third downs again. Yeah, that's definitely an issue. As I mentioned on third down conversions, they were. On offense, they were bottom of the league, and in third down conversions and defense getting off the field, they were bottom of the league. Those are two things that if you're bottom of the league on both sides of the ball, most likely you're not winning and you're not making the playoffs. So I feel like this team is definitely, you know, has potential. I've said over and over again, third place schedule is a good thing for this team. Last year, the first place schedule, you know, this team – Won a division, but they weren't necessarily a first-place team. Last year, they came in third, so they got a third-place schedule. So the schedule isn't as tough. I believe it's the what, fourth easiest in the NFL, something that's what they say, as opposed to the you know teams that they're playing against and the winning percentage and how many games the other teams won. So, I mean, there's a lot of positive to look at for this team, even though a lot of folks tend to – hop on the negative and the past and what used to be and talk about curses and all this other crap. Um, it's just crazy. I've actually, uh, I normally don't talk about this stuff on air, but since I'm on by myself, I guess I'll go ahead and break into it. I've been on a trolling expedition on some of these uh, so-called DC sports media folks where only thing they talk about is a negative or they want to do the negative clickbait or anonymous source and don't want to talk about any other positive and just try to highlight the bad stuff that goes on or the bad way to look at it. Please stop it, man. It, it's getting ridiculous. I've been trolling a few of them this past week, tagging them in, and been telling their viewers, you know, hey, if, you, if you're tired of hearing this stuff and hearing this negative stuff, you know, there's someone that comes on the air that doesn't get into that stuff that talks to the X's and O's, knowledge and insight, and breaks it down for what it is and simple as that. None of that other BS, none of that other crap. I don't know if you saw Jason Wright uh, got upset with one of the local sports media on Channel 7. You know, he had an interview with Carson Wentz, which, you know, anything is open, but it's the tone and the disrespect of the way that he asked him his questions and the type of questions that he asked him. Carson Wentz handled it as a professional, but say if he didn't, 
I know, like I said, a lot of these folks aren't as old as I am, so they could have had a, a Jim Rome, Jim Everett type of interaction. If you don't go know about that, go uh, on YouTube and look up that. Some of you younger guys that might be checking us out or listening, and you'll see what I'm talking about. But Carson Wentz, he handled this professional. And Jason Wright, president of the organization, came to a defense on Twitter, uh, you know, letting the reporter know that that was, you know, inappropriate. You shouldn't have, uh, you could have had a better interview and basically said, good luck on future interviews with anyone on our staff or on our team with the way you conducted yourself, which is a good thing for us here on Sports OTHT because now that's one of the biggest issues that we've had with some of the sports people that gets access to the team. Most of them don't know the game. They're just doing a job. And they say things and do things that, to me, shouldn't be done as a sports journalist. But the fact that they're getting, hopefully getting some of those folks out there, you might finally see Sports OTHT and those live press conferences that I've been trying to get to for the last couple of years. So I'm loving the fact that we are seeing change with this team on all different fronts uh, on a media level. And uh, I believe I spoke last week about Sam Mills. Uh, getting fired, long-time coach under Rivera since 2011. And to me, that signifies that coach ain't taking no crap. He's not taking no excuses. No matter how long a friendship we had or how long we didn't work together, if we don't see eye to eye and don't have the same philosophy on the way we feel this team should be in the direction that this team should be moving, then, yeah, uh, we need to change this up. And the fact that they already had the assistant already on the staff to make a a smooth transition is just a plus. So, I mean, this is a crucial year for this team, crucial season for the franchise, for the team, for the coach, for the quarterback, for everybody. And like I said, I know it's still early, but I have a, I always have an optimistic outlook. Like I said, all of the negativity that's in this area, I try to, Stay positive and optimistic that things can possibly go right. Doesn't always have to go wrong or go sideways. So stay tuned. It's going to be a lot of uh, lot of interesting things to transpire over this week before they uh, make that trip to Kansas City. Uh, got another couple of days of uh, reps and walkthroughs. Hopefully they, uh, like I say, fix some of those issues that I just spoke about. The penalties, the uh, Got to get some uh, turnovers. Didn't have one turnover. Had two turnovers on our side. A fumble by Gibson, which he could definitely cannot afford to have another fumble in the upcoming week. If he does, he's definitely going to be the talk of the town or possibly uh, being out of town. Possible trade bait. Who knows? And uh, I want to see this defense come out and, you know, get off the field in that first drive. We know what the type of offense Kansas City has. We know what type of play caller Andy Reid is. So if they can get a three and out on that first drive when they're on defense, then I can say, yeah, I feel like this team is making you know strides in the right direction. And uh, Del Rio is also, in my opinion, should be on the hot seat. That's why I like the move that uh, Coach made because I, I, I didn't think that Del Rio should be back this year. So he's giving him one more shot. Coach did say he's been in the defensive rooms. Uh, training rooms and film rooms for a lot of the training camp, so that's a good sign, letting them know that, hey, I'm watching, I'm listening, I'm making sure you guys are on the uh, right path. Oh, I forgot, I'm watching WWE Live, I forgot they had Capital One tonight, uh, Bobby Lashley on right now, 
Shout out to my man, Decent People Champ, No Spots Podcast. I know they covering the wrestling, they're on a little hiatus right now also, but bring you that great wrestling coverage from all the different organizations that I done lost track of. Um, quick scoring update for the Nats game. Uh, still 4-4, bottom of the eighth, one man on, I mean, no man on. Nelson Cruz has played 1-1 one, one count. Nelson Cruz is 1-3 for three in this game. Uh, home run right now would be great. He uh, hasn't lived up to the end of the year. And uh, I think I just called that because he just hit a solo home run. That's the first time we've done that on the air. I actually called a home run before it happened. And I like that. That's a great way to end the show. His ninth home run of the season, I just mentioned, he hasn't really hit the ball as well as uh, we were hoping he would. Uh, bringing to this team being the DH, now that they have the DH in the National League. But the Nationals just took a one-run lead off of Nelson Cruz, solo home run, bottom of the eighth, five to four over the Cubs right now. So hopefully we can hold on and earn a victory to start out the week and not start out in the hole off the break. So, yeah, that's really exciting. I got to call a home run before it happened. Yeah, got to tell Robbie about that. Um, make sure you check out the website, www.sportsothp.com. Check out the YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Carol Porter Third with three eyes. All the highlight videos, live streams at the bar radio, Sunday nights at 6 o'clock. Yesterday, we had a great show, just talking topics, didn't have any guests or anything. Uh, we just talking topics. Uh, we spoke about the uh, some of the tragedies that's been going on locally, uh, some of the people that's been getting killed. Uh, the Facebook live stream with the baby father, baby mother situation. I'm not going to go into detail because that's a different show. Um, make sure you tune in next week. Well, we're going to be doing a show next week because we'll be on location. Following week, we have a great episode. Uh, I'm working on getting the promo together. I definitely want to do want to check it out. Um, what else? Uh, that's pretty much it. I'll be uploading the show tonight to all the podcasting platforms, so it should be live tomorrow. So if you didn't get a chance to check it out live, you can always check it out on the podcast and on the podcast apps, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Uh, just hashtag SportsOTHP Podcast. You'll find it. You'll find us there. So I'm going to get that up tonight. Uh, as always, I'm going to end the show with some music videos that we as we play on uh, at the bar radio because we want to play independent music. You know, I got those of Renegade on there and a couple other independent folks. I got to get some new videos. I know y'all that tune in and keep on watching the same videos. But I got to remember to get the stuff on one fiber. So I'll grab some more videos to show you guys and highlight. Make sure you uh, tune in next week for episode 278. Talking more Nats and hopefully talking, uh, well, the Mystics don't play until Thursday, so still won't be talking about them. Well, where we, no, that's not going to say Thursday, Sunday. So we'll be talking about them winning the series, tying the series, and forcing game three, or unfortunately talking about them getting swept. Hopefully it's not about them getting swept. Um, but I'm not forgetting something. But, oh, well, if anything else pop off, I might do a live stream. Jump a pop-up show. Who knows? If anything breaking news, anything happens, be on the lookout. Appreciate you guys checking out the reels. I've been doing uh, some little uh, football videos with running backs, Barry Sanders, Bo Jackson, putting together some baseball stuff. So trying to get more stuff out there. Oh, we just started a TikTok channel, so go follow that. 
CP3 guys underscore sports with THP on TikTok. I've been just sharing sports videos and grilling videos. Uh, well, not even videos, but grilling on Sundays and everything. So just go follow us. Trying to expand to more platforms, get more folks out there, letting them know you got real sports journalism going on. Because as I always say, DC sports are the politics. It's not just a catchphrase. It's not just a motto. It's what we do. CP3, live from the lab, and I'm out.